Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, March 2nd, 6.15 a.m. here in New York, but elsewhere it might be later in the day. But no matter where you are, no matter where you're listening, knowing tomorrow is the Bahrain race weekend, which means we have our first F1 race weekend. And you can start to feel the hype, right? You know, last week, testing so many different things going on at Bahrain, right? So many different ideas, looking at the different ways teams have been developing their cars. Who's going to be leading? Are there any surprise contenders? So, this is just a little preview for this weekend's race in Bahrain. Looking at what happened at testing, looking at some bits of news, and just really getting you ready and getting you hyped for the 2023 F1 season. And I am excited that F1 is back. I mean, listen... The reality is those months, it feels like it's been years, right? It doesn't always feel like there's just been this long period. It's like you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the season to start again. And you go through those lulls in January, February. You get deliveries. You start making your guesses. And then testing comes alive. And now we're in it. We are in it. And we are ready to go. So let's take a look at what we think is going to happen in Bahrain, right? So first of all, a little bit of news. Uh, the F1 Academy... Susie Wolf. Now, this is pretty hype. The F1 Academy, in case you guys don't know, right, is that new division of F1 Motorsport, which basically is going to prepare women. It's an all-women series. It's kind of a spinoff on the W Series, but I think with a lot more support and a lot more financial support, especially. And this F1 Academy making a move that I think is incredible. By hiring Susie Wolf. Now, you know Susie Wolf has been, you know, involved in so many different ways with not just F1, but other levels of motorsport, and you know, obviously being Total Wolf's wife. But in reality, she has been great for if you're talking about women in motorsport, Susie Wolf is one of the examples of what can be achieved when we you know, put our efforts towards increasing diversity and things like that. So she was, you know, has a ton of racing experience. She was, you know, different. Um, she was a Formula E team principal and she's been working with Mercedes still. And um, of course, now she's going to be moving into this role with the F1 Academy, which I think is just an incredible idea. And I think that's the right person for that job. So that's just something cool to mention. But anyway, getting into the race weekend, right? Bahrain. So, in testing, there were a lot of interesting takeaways from testing. And I'm not going to highlight on everything. Not going to go necessarily through every team. But I think there are a few important takeaways we can get out of this. And one of the most obvious things, and it looks like the teams that are going to be one and two, it looks like it's going to be still Red Bull Ferrari. Red Bull and Ferrari still look like they're neck and neck. And, you know, again, it's very difficult to say what, testing you know what to make out of testing but it is definitely true that testing showed us some interesting things about maybe where the teams stand and you know who is what and where everybody is so it looks like red bull is number one that they're the top that they are still even without you know losing even without having as much wind tunnel time as they had, it still looks like they are the team to beat. And, you know, 
it was interesting looking at the amount of laps run too, right? Max Verstappen was absolutely just hitting the pace hard, hitting, 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 hitting that pace hard. And uh, it, it looks like they are, again, the team to beat. We'll see once those cars are out on the track. But as of right now, Red Bull looking like the team to beat. Ferrari, right there, right? Ferrari's right there. and um, But are they going to be able to reach Red Bull? That is the big question. Are they there close enough? And, you know, I was, again, I think I mentioned this last week. I was reading about what Ferrari's plans are this year, what Frederick Vassier would like to do to improve Ferrari's chances of at least, you know, a driver's championship, if not a constructor's championship. And knowing that Red Bull is the team to beat. And I think, I really do think this is an area where Ferrari in previous years has lacked. And and Vassier wants to be a little more aggressive with that mid-season development. And, you know, looking at more recent Ferrari years, the years Ferrari were competitive, you know, those Vettel years, um, and even the years with Vettel and Reikening, right, where where they were in those battles for the championship but not quite there. Uh, And even with Charles Leclerc last year, Ferrari, I mean, reliability was a huge issue last year. But Ferrari, remember, Ferrari got out to a roaring start last year. They looked like they were going to be carrying away with this championship. And then the reliability issues hit. I mean, obviously, Charles Leclerc made his own errors. But... They just fell off the map in terms of being able to be competitive with Red Bull. And I'm hoping that Frederick Vasseri mentioned that he wants Ferrari to continue mid-season development. I hope Ferrari does that. I hope Ferrari is able to develop their car to a point where, you know, it's not a championship that gets run away by Red Bull. Maybe, maybe Ferrari can do what Red Bull did last year and close that gap and actually, you know, and maybe do a reverse of what has happened to them in previous years. But it looks like Red Bull Ferrari 1-2, clear clear 1-2s. Number three. Now, this is interesting. Because you could look at three and four in some unique ways. And I really think... I, I mean, I know people, Alpine might be in the mix. And honestly, the midfield, I was just reading an article on F1 the other day. Uh, actually, it wasn't F1. It was uh, motorsport.com that... This new F1 midfield. And, you know, you could probably thank some of the changes made to the regulations, right? But looking at this new F1 midfield, is it really fair to call it, you know, a midfield? I think the article mentioned that it's basically Ferrari, Red Bull, possibly Mercedes, then everybody else. Now, I don't know if I'm comfortable yet saying that Mercedes is a solid number three. From what I've been reading on testing... It could be conceivable. And I mean, this is my... See, I was thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like to mess around with some sports gambling sometimes. So, I, again, I don't go huge. But, for example, um, last race weekend for Formula E, believe it or not, I put a $5 bet on Formula E. And it actually ended up winning me um, a decent amount of money. Uh, for five dollars, I won one hundred and forty-three dollars. <laughs> believe it or not, and my my pick of all things, right? So my pick of all things, I picked Antonio Felix da Costa to win. And I'm watching this F, F- Formula E race, and uh, I see da Costa, and that that was an incredible race. Actually, it came down to the last couple of laps, and all of a sudden da Costa won, and I'm like, man, I got one hundred forty-three dollars in my pocket. But uh, no, I made some dark horse picks, and 
honestly, if there was somebody I could see either winning in, you know, it would take some freak circumstances, but I could see Fernando Alonso conceivably ending up on that podium. I think that Aston Martin is better than what most people think. I think they've done development the right way. And I would not be surprised if, you know, obviously it might take a little luck because I still think, yeah, you got the two Ferraris, you got the two Red Bulls. You know, Aston Martin is realistically maybe a 5-6 car with Mercedes in the mix there too. There, I think it's going to be, I really could see it going, you know, we have Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin battling each other, and then everybody else. Maybe throw Alpine in the mix at the top. I mean, I was high on Alpine, but I, I didn't really see anything um, spectacular. But um, actually, I was looking at Albert Fabrega, who I think has one of the best voices in F1, one of the best knowledge bases of F1 and just racing in general. His rankings, right, with Alpine, he said basically... They seem under, but they could be much faster than they seem. And I think that's true about Alpine. I've always been keen since last year on Alpine being a quick team. And I would not be surprised to see them battling in the mix too. But then everybody else, you know, the team that I just think has a lot of work. And I I don't get it. Um, And that's McLaren. McLaren is just, McLaren does not look good. And I, I don't get it. Because this was a team that I've had, and I think we all have. We, we've we had a lot of hopes on McLaren. And realistically, trying to figure out what McLaren has done wrong is one of the things that I think is bothering not just me, but a lot of people. Like, trying to figure out where did McLaren go wrong, if indeed McLaren is as bad as they seem they might be this year. You know, you had Lando committing to a multi-year contract, and I can understand why... You know, there was some talk about Lando feeling frustrated. I could totally understand why, because here's a guy who's committed to this multi-year contract with McLaren. And, you know, thinking back to 2021, right, that was a team where they had those performances at Russia. Even though Lando didn't win, they were certainly in contention. They obviously had the win at Monza, like with Daniel Ricciardo. And they were a team that had a few podiums that year. They even had a podium last year. They, They look like a team that when they put it together can get things right. But I think with the departure of Andreas Seidel, um, that's definitely had an impact. And I just I just feel like there's something missing with McLaren, and they just can't fire on all cylinders. They can't just get it right all the time. And I know it's early. We haven't even started a race weekend. Maybe it's too early to make those decisions. And if we think back to last year, right, I mean, it feels like the same story again. We have McLaren going into Bahrain just looking horrible. And... It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like they're a team that has the right resources. I don't think Zach Brown is a bad CEO. I know people have criticized him for, I guess, his handling of the Daniel Ricciardo situation. Obviously, we have the Oscar Piastri situation as well. But I don't think he's the wrong guy to lead that organization. I think they have their right goals set. I think they have the resources, but they're just not there yet. And I I don't know. Like if you're Lando Norris, what are you are you going to wait a few more years to see if they do better cuz I mean, if McLaren does not improve and McLaren uh McLaren and Lando Norris is there for, you know, 3, 4, 5 years now being stagnant and not really because of his fault, but he's just, you know, 
in a car that isn't as competitive that that I don't think matches his talent level like what would you do if you're Lando Norris I mean certainly you would start looking at you know a team that has a higher potential and I mean that is part of the story of F1 right like we've had drivers who have displayed immense talent and immense you know maybe potential to win and just don't quite get there and you know it's kind of funny if you're thinking of the guys of that you know Lando generation you already have George Russell winning a race I know Esteban Ocon I guess you could say is a little older than that generation but you have Esteban Ocon winning a race you have uh, Pierre Gasly who's won a race Alex Albon obviously not quite there yet I don't think he'll be there with Williams either because you know Williams is just certainly not a competitive team but you know you just gotta wonder like how long can Lando just hang around and, you know, stay stagnant at a McLaren team that is just not as competitive as we would expect them to be? You know, because we were talking about them being in the mix for at least top three last year, and they certainly, certainly fell off the map. But, uh, yeah, that's my big, like, surprise of this year. The other teams really, Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alfa Tauri, Williams, you kind of expect those teams to be battling near the back. You expect those teams to, you know, be fighting each other for those bottom half positions. So not really anything surprising there with those teams. Interesting to see. You know, I'm not going to lie. Nico Hulkenberg, I know it's testing again. He looked pretty decent in testing. He looked like he hasn't missed a beat. That's pretty cool to see. Like the fact that I know we said, oh, why is Hulkenberg coming back? He's washed up. And obviously, I don't think he's going to get a podium with Haas. But looks like a driver that can be competitive. And I think, you know, in the heat of the moment, I was disappointed about Mick Schumacher leaving Haas. And, you know, uh, I haven't watched Drive to Survive yet. I know a lot of people have talked about that episode. But um, in terms of thinking back and reflecting on the decision of Haas to let go of Mick Schumacher. I mean, honestly, for Haas, I think it is the right move bringing Nico Hulkenberg in. After thinking about it over testing, thinking about it and reflecting, you know, like, a team like Haas needs a driver that can just be consistent with that car, be safe with that car, that can push that car to its proper limit. And I, I think I know a lot of people criticize Nico Hulkenberg. They say he's ran so many races without a podium. There have been tons of drivers with talent that haven't gotten podiums. I don't think that's a way to define his career. But I think Nico Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg has proven he can do decent in decent machinery. And I think with Haas, he will have a successful year. Uh, I think we will see that. Nico Hulkenberg will have a Kevin Magnuson-esque comeback year. And I think it's just appropriate. I want to see, you know, how him and Magnuson race together. But uh, I'm not really surprised with the way that team goes. But some drivers I really want to keep an eye out for this year. And, you know, there are a few drivers with, I wouldn't say make or break years. Well, obviously, Yuki Tsunoda, definitely a make or break year for Yuki. Yuki needs, I was just talking with this with one of my buddies uh, over the weekend last weekend Yuki definitely needs to have a solid race he's a driver that you know he's we know his first year in F1 he was definitely pushing the limits a little too much he kind of had like I would say 2022 was more of a rebound year 
uh, more of a let's just be consistent, let's rebuild, let's focus on getting our driving more consistent. And um, now this year, he has to prove that he has the talent. He has to prove that he can maintain and deserves a spot in F1, especially with Nick DeVries coming up there. So this is going to be a big race weekend for Yuki. I think he needs to set the tone right away. You can't have Nick DeVries out qualifying you. You can't have Nick DeVries out racing you. And I'm not trying to say that Nick DeVries isn't a talentless driver. Nick DeVries has definitely proven he has some great talent. But in that same respect, Yuki cannot get out qualified. He can't get out pushed. By Nick DeVries as well because that would just be absolutely horrible for uh, his season and his hopes of maintaining a career in F1. He just simply can't afford it. So want to see where Yuki ends up with that. Um, you know, definitely an important year for him. Zhou Guan Yu. I think this is a big year for Zhou Guan Yu. Not in terms of, okay, I don't think Zhou Guan Yu is deserving of losing a seat in F1 yet, especially after, I, I mean, he had a definitely incredible 2022 season. Uh, you know, a lot of DNFs, not necessarily his fault. And, you know, if he finished towards the back, not necessarily his fault. But I think he was a nice, consistent, one of the best. I still maintain that he was one of the best rookie drivers we've had in a long time. And I think Zhou Guan Yu can, I think this is a year where he can prove his worth. And I think he can prove that maybe he deserves a shot with a better team or at least to continue with that Alfa Romeo team. Uh, other drivers, obviously, Logan Sargent, interesting year as well. Uh, rookie driver, want to see, you know, representing the United States. Hey, let's see if we can have him have a decent year and let's see what he can prove. Other than that, the other drivers, um, this is going to be a weird one, but I'm going to go out on a limb. Well, obviously, big year for Pierre Gasly. He's finally with that better team. Let's see what he can do. Let's see, you know, he was with Red Bull. We know his struggles with Red Bull. Now he's with Alpine. He's going to have an aggressive teammate in Esteban Ocon. Let's see what Pierre can do. Can he turn it up? Can he prove? I think Pierre is a very talented driver, but now it's up to him to prove that he belongs in that spot with a higher team, and that he can perform with that team that is at a higher level and, you know, kind of own up to the pressure and own up to, you know, he's been having this whole redemption arc, own up to it now and go out and perform. And then the other two drivers, I'm going to say it, Oscar Piastri. Listen, you created this whole, and I understand it's a rookie year. There's going to be high expectations for Oscar Piastri. Whether or not McLaren is at the level it should be at or not, there are high expectations for Oscar Piastri. He went through this whole saga, leaving Alpine, causing this amount of drama. You got to go out there now and prove you belong there. You got to prove that you are worth what you've said you're worth and prove you know, what you've put everybody through. Got to prove your worth. And then finally, this is a weird one, but Lance Stroll. And I know he's coming off some injuries, but if Aston Martin is at the level they're at, and I do think Lance Stroll gets a lot of hate for being a quote-unquote paid driver. He didn't have so many bad – he has podiums with Williams, right? He's been on the podium with Racing Point. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. I think he does get a lot of hate, obviously, for his dad owning the team. But I think Lance Stroll at times has proven – he is a capable driver. So, hey, now Aston Martin, and I, there are times too where he's made like horrific mistakes not looking in his mirrors, for example, with, uh, you know, I think back to Circuit of the Americas in Australia um, with incidents with Albon and, no, no, sorry, with Latifi and um, obviously Fernando Alonso. But now he's got to go out there and prove himself. Prove you're at the level. You're going to have a tough teammate in Fernando Alonso. Learn from him, grow from him, be competitive. Be the driver you claim you are. Be the driver that some people see you as. Okay? 
But anyway, yeah. Um, looking forward to Bahrain. Excited. I think we're going to see some interesting stuff happening. I'm going to go out on a limb and make my quick prediction. Here's what I'm going to say. Race weekend. I think in third place, we're going to have Fernando Alonso. He's going to be on the podium. Set the tone. Set the tone quick. Second place, Charles Leclerc. First place, Max Verstappen with a win. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you for listening. Hope you get pumped for the 2023 F1 season. Bahrain race weekend is here. Let's get excited. I'll talk to you guys after the race on Sunday to recap everything that went on. Again, feel free to follow me on Twitter at an American F1. Have a good day, guys.